0: It's good to be back. <laughs> well, who knows what's happening. I got down to 44K, and uh, I had a wheelchair and all these sort of things, and uh, I'm 53K this morning, so things are looking up. <laughs> I took the wheelchair back to hospice, and, uh, and who knows, you leave your dying day to a living God. I'm quite sure that's the thing that you have to do. And uh, when I knew that I only had a few months, I began to put a service together, because I'm I'm very detailed, I began to put my service together and, uh, you know, the eulogy speakers and the photographs and all the sort of things you can put in a service, and then I put it together, and Ben's got it up there in the data projector, and I see Tom Frew and Alan Vink here this morning, who are ones I've allocated to speak at the funeral service, I'm wondering what's happening. Is this a So... Uh, all I can say is thank you for your prayers and say to Ben when you touch the button for the service today, touch the one that said, Jim Hearn, the life of David, not Jim Hearn funeral service, and we'll get going underway. <laughs> I'll start with telling you a story. Start with telling you a story about uh, the uh, the lion, the donkey, and the fox, and they're all out hunting in the forest, having a great time. Well, they kill a few animals. And they bring them all into a clearing in the forest and then the lion who's taken control of things the lion says to the donkey uh, Mr. donkey, I wonder if you would please divide uh, all this food up equally among us and the, said, the donkey said a donkey said e or e or because he always spoke like that and he said that he would do that and so he divided the uh, animals up that they'd killed, and he said, uh, Mr. Lion, uh, that is your pile. Uh, Mr. Fox, that is your pile, and this is my pile. And with that, the lion got up, came over to the donkey, slapped him with a hand, killed him, and dragged him off into the forest tree, came back again. He said, uh, The lion said, Mr. Fox, I have a question to ask you. I wonder if you wouldn't mind giving all these animals and, um, and, um, and, um, and, and reallocating them. I wonder, Mr. Fox, if you would, uh, if you would uh, uh, equally divide these animals between uh, 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 myself and you. So the fox nodded his head, and uh, proceeded to get all the animals. and He placed a big pile of animals right in front of the lion, and he picked up the scrawniest-looking chicken with no weight on it, dragged it over here, and put it here. And then he said. Uh, Mr lion i have done what you asked me to do i have i have divided these animals that that pile there that's that's yours and this one uh, here this one is mine and the lion said mr fox i i am impressed with your ability to divide mr fox tell me who taught you to to divide so accurately and the fox said the donkey did Now the moral of that story is just bear that in the back of your mind, because as we go on today and talk a little bit of the life of David, there's always someone somewhere doing something somehow that we can learn from to save ourselves making mistakes. True, true. All right. I want to I want to begin by by taking us back to the year is about 1000 BC. And uh, Saul has died. I'm picking up the story, and if you've been here each week, you know we've been following a series. And Saul has died, and David becomes the king of Judah, and then seven years later, he becomes the king over all of Israel. And there's a terrible happenings going on in the nation of Israel. There's, there's war, there's strife, there's arguments, they're, they're upset, and, and everybody in the nation of Israel knows what the trouble is. The, the whole problem is that they had lost the Ark of the Covenant. They had lost that which was the presence of God. And I want to take us and answer a few questions this morning while we get into this particular story. I want to say, what, what is it that Israel had lost, and when did they lose it, and how did they lose it? And the main part of the story is how they're going to bring back this Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God. And so. When, when the nation of Israel, 400 years before this, when the nation of Israel was coming out of Egypt, Moses led them out of Egypt, and then God spoke to Moses and took him to Mount uh, uh, um, Mount uh, uh, Mount um Mount Monganui. Let's have a look. I know it's uh, so Sinai. I knew it was Mount Monganui. took him to Mount Sinai, and, and he gave instruction. He gave 10 commandments for the nation of Israel. He he spoke to the people there, uh, and he said, Moses, I want you to make a, a portable tabernacle. I, I want you to make me a, uh, a, a somewhere where i can travel a sanctuary that i may travel with the nation of people i've created and he said very clearly to moses i want the people of israel to build me a sanctuary where i can live among them and make this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern that i will show you and he made very clear the pattern the the ark was to be uh, 1.3 meters long it was to be 80 centimeters Wide, 80 centimeters high. It was to have a carving of two angelic beings or cherubim over what was called a mercy seat where God's presence would meet with people. There were to be four rings placed where staves of wood could be put through so that priests could carry it. Very much, very, very orderly in the way that it was to be ordained. And this happened about 400 years prior to this. Uh, time that we're going to speak about David is about to bring this ark back it had been taken in battle so how did how did Israel how did they manage to lose this ark well in 1 Samuel chapter 4, 5, 6 and 7 there's a background history the ark of the covenant was captured in battle by the Philistines at a place called Ebenezer the ark of the covenant, the presence of God was to be placed, it was placed in in, in Shiloh where it was the central part for the uh, the gathering of of God's anointing and where the ark of the tabernacle was to be kept but some of the israeli people were battling they were being, they were beginning to lose the battle and foolishly said go to shiloh get the ark bring it in among the battle and perhaps god will be, god will work on our behalf absolutely foolish it was never meant to happen like that And so the ark was captured by the philistines and the ark became a sort of a trophy the ark became uh, the spoils they could display and the ark was in the possession of the philistines for about seven months but they had all sorts of trouble the philistine nation had all sorts of trouble with this ark that was not only a representation but contained and held to be observed hovering over the presence of god And everywhere they took it, every city they took it to, they took this Ark of the Covenant to a city where their own god called Dagon was a fish god and a stone god and they took the Ark of the Covenant there and placed it in this auditorium where their own god was. They came in the next day and their own god made of stone has fallen down in front of the Ark of the Covenant. They set their god back up again. They came back again the following day, and this time their god had fallen down. His head is broken off. His arms were cut off. So they took him to other cities, and wherever they went, people got boils. There were plagues of mice, all sorts of things. They said, that's enough. Let's get rid of this ark. Send it back to the people of Israel. And so they set it free on a cart that was harnessed to some cows that knew the way back into the Israel, into their territory. When it came into Israeli territory, there were some men from a place called kithis who eventually attained possession of the ark, and they took it to a place of safekeeping at a man called Abinadab. He was a a Levite who was to care for things to do with the presence of the Lord. And it was placed in Abinadab's house. And for 20 years, the ark remained in kith and all the people of Israel mourned, and they sought the Lord because they wanted to bring this ark of the covenant back again so the story is A, what was it that was taken, the Ark of the Covenant? And the background story of it is that it was just uh, the, 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 the people from the Philistines didn't know what to do with it and it was sent back. Somebody needed to get that ark and bring it back to Jerusalem. Here's where the story of David picks up again. In 1000 BC, Solomon, uh, Saul had died and David was appointed king. The first thing he does, he says, I am going to go and get that ark and I'm going to bring it back. And so we are looking at a story that's told today. It's in 1 Chronicles chapter 13, chapter 14, and chapter 15. And it talks about David bringing the ark back from where it was left, back into Jerusalem so it could be among all the people of God. Now that story I told you about earlier on was someone, remember, uh, who taught you how to how how to uh, do what you did? You made great mistakes. And David, unfortunately, makes a lot of mistakes at the start. And that's why I told that story. We can always learn something from somebody. I'm not going to preach for 40 minutes or 35 now, probably. I'm not going to preach, and then at the end of what I say, I'm going to give you some sort of a, this is what we've learned. I want you to keep pace and kind of build a jigsaw As this morning, we look at the story of David, how he's attempting to bring this ark back into Jerusalem. And I'm going to ask you every now and then, what did you learn? So stay alert, stay alert. Let's pick up the story. So David consulted, here he is, he's going to bring the ark back. So David consulted with all his officials, the generals, the captains of his army. He addressed the entire assembly of Israel as follows. If you approve, And if it's the will of the Lord our God, let us send messages to all the Israelis throughout the land, including the priests and the Levites in their towns and pasture lands. Let us invite them to come and join us. It's time to bring back the ark of our God, for we neglected it during the reign of Saul. So the whole assembly agreed to do this. And because it seemed right to all the people, so David summoned all the people of Israel from one end of the country to the other to join in bringing the ark of God from Kirijath-Jerim. They transported the ark of God from the house of Abinadab and cart with Uzzah and Ohio guiding it. And David and all of Israel were celebrating before God with all their might. Just take a note of that for a minute. With all whose might? With all their might. Just kind of put that... In the back of your mind, I think that I think this project is doomed to failure. If you're up with the story so far, you should see a few things are being done wrong here. Yeah? And they played before God. They were singing and playing. Listen, you can have all sorts of musical instruments and you can make all the noise you like in the world, but if you don't have the, ointing, the anointing, you're not going anywhere. And yeah? we're fortunate with our musicians that they seek the Lord, but the, and, and and they're not playing with all their might. But in this case, this is actually entertainment. It's not inspirational. It's entertainment. And if you're up with the the play with the story, you will know why they're having such trouble. When they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen stumbled, and uh, Uzzah put out his hand to steady the ark. He's doing a good thing. And then the Lord's anger blazed out against Uzzah. He struck him dead because he laid his hand on the ark and Uzzah died there in the presence of the Lord. Goodness gracious me. What are to do? Isn't uh, David doing the right thing? What are to do? Why is this happening to Uzzah? David was angry because the Lord's anger had blazed out against Uzzah. David was now afraid of God. He asked, how can I ever bring the ark of God back into my care? So David decided not to move the ark into the city of David. He took it instead to the home of obed of Gath. He's another Levite who he knew could, could, he could be trusted to care for the presence of God. And the ark remained there with the family of obed for three months, and the Lord blessed obed and his entire household. When you read that, you've got to know, There's nothing wrong with the ark. It must be something else. Where the ark of God is at rest with a family of people who care and love the presence of God, everything is well. Well, what's gone wrong? There's got to be something gone wrong. Sadness. Chapter 13 is all to do with sadness. How many of you saw the wrong management? Anyone see that? Anyone see the wrong commands given so far? Anyone see the wrong response? Did you all see the wrong transport? See? <clears throat> I wonder if you picked this up. This venture is doomed to failure because David has neglected to include, including God. Let's have a look at this. David conferred with each of his officers the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds, and you can write on the margin of your Bible, and everybody except God, because that's what he did. This thing is doomed to failure. He confirmed with everyone he got out of touch with God. There's a prophet, Jeremiah, 400 years later. He's writing this to people in the nation of Israel, and things haven't changed. The prophet is bringing the word of the Lord to the people of Israel, and he's saying, the shepherds of my people have lost their senses. They no longer follow the Lord or ask what he wants of them. Therefore, they fail completely and their flocks are scattered. 1000 BC with David, forgot to include the Lord in his decision-making. 600 BC with Jeremiah and the people around, forgot to include the Lord. 2016, if you want God's best, you go God's way. I wonder how many of us... When things are not working, we finally turn to God and say, we better pray about this. Put your hand to this there's anyone here like that. Yeah? Well, the wrong management. And then the wrong command is given. He said to the whole assembly of Israel, if it, if it seems good to you, this doesn't sound too much like leadership. We all ought to go to that leadership seminar. If it seems good to you, and if it's the will of the Lord our God, Let us send word far and wide to the rest of our brothers throughout the territory of Israel, if it seems good to you. I remember Craig two two Sundays ago, we had a Vision Sunday, and he talked about some uh, some of the additions and some of the things that we feel need to be done to make more room for us, and then more projects and reaching out in the community and mission activity overseas. And Craig began to share vision with us. What he's going to do isn't going to... Uh, we're not going to make a decision about that until next year. Why? Well, so he can do what needs to be done, talk to wise people about it, involve an eldership in it, do some praying about it, read the Scriptures and see so that what we're going to do is done right. I'd hate to think Craig came out next week and said, listen, do you think this is a good idea we spend 100000 No, because if you, want, if you want God's best, you go God's way. In Acts chapter 15 paul and barnabas a new testament story they were preaching in jerusalem wonderful things were happening many gentiles many non-jewish people were coming to know christ the messiah as their savior and uh, the religious pharisees came up to them and they were saying look uh, these people don't only need to receive christ as savior they need to to uh, have the Jewish right of circumcision as well. I mean, you've got to add the, the law. There's a law of Moses to be added. And there was great debate going on among all the people with Barnabas and Paul. So they went back to, into Jerusalem, and they, and they were in Antioch, and they went back into Jerusalem, and they met with the church leadership and said, this is what's happening. This is the struggle we're facing. What do you think? And so the leadership began to pray together, look at the scrolls, and the scriptures that they had, and they came with an answer. It seemed good to the Holy Ghost in us that we don't burden you with anything, but here's the requirements. This is what we should do. And I trust that when Craig and the team talked to us early next year, they, sat, they come and say, it seemed good to the Holy Ghost that this is what we do, rather than if you think this is a good idea. Can you risk an amen to that? Yeah. They had the wrong response. The whole assembly agreed to do this. It seemed right to all the people. Goodness gracious me. Well, since when is a majority of people saying that something's right? Since when does a majority voice override wise counsel? And here again is a New Testament example. This time it's Paul and Silas preaching. The New Testament tells us the story in Acts chapter 17. They went to a place called Thessalonica and they went to another place called Berea. And they got different results when they began to talk about Jesus being the Messiah. They went When they went to Thessalonica, They uh, some people believed, but they were driven out of Thessalonica. Many religious people wouldn't listen to them. But when they went to Berea, the Bereans, they cultivated a listening ear and said, we need to look into this. This could be of God. And the person, Luke, is writing the book of Acts, and when he's He's noting the story. He said, the Bereans were more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness. They examined the Scriptures every day to see what Paul was saying was true. And the very things that David didn't do, didn't consult God in prayer, didn't look at the Scriptures. He had the scrolls there with scribes that he could investigate. And above all, he had the wrong transport. They moved the Ark of God from Abinadab's house on a new cart with Uzzah and Ahiah guiding it. Goodness gracious me. Yeah. How are they supposed to move the Ark of God? Do you remember? It was covered in gold and they had four loops, and priests were meant to carry it. They had the wrong transport. If only David had looked at the scripture. Decisions govern our destiny. Turn to someone beside you, give them a prod, and say, Decisions govern our destiny. Yeah? Well, we better make right decisions. Listen, oh, they made a new cart. Listen, you can make a new cart, you can put four wheels instead of two, you can put chrome hubcaps on it, but you've still got a cart. And you know how they got that? Because they copied the world system. That's how they got it. How did they come up with a cat? They copied the world system. And if you want to make the right decisions like I don't want to make the right decisions, don't copy the world system. See, How's your marriage going? How's your relationship going? Oh, well, we play no speaks now, and i started going to the swing and singles. Let's copy. <laughs> Do you know what that's copying? The world system. I want to go to a swinging single. I want to leave the relationship I'm in. Oh, I used to be in love before. You know, people fall out of love as much as they fall into it. If only they pay attention. If only they go to a. Why don't they come into a church that talk about good relationships and marriage? People struggle in finance. Oh, I want, I want, I want. Listen, listen, listen. That's the world system. Do you need it or do you want it? I think you need to go to an Alpha Marriage seminar if you want to learn about marriage. Who's been to one of those Alpha Marriage seminars? Give me a wave. Yeah. If you enjoyed it, wave both hands. Yeah, fantastic. Why, go, why look at the world system and give up on something when if you only consult the scriptures and pray to God, he'll give you some answers that are really... You see, the Bible is God's handbook for humanity. The Bible is God's handbook for the people he created. Man, the people I've spoken to over the years, I said, do you ever read the Bible? They say, no, it's full of errors. So I say, tell me one. Um. Too easy to say it's full of errors. I find it full of truth. And what I can't prove, I can believe because what I can prove in it. Yeah. Well, here's Exodus. Here's, uh, here's Exodus. This is where Moses is given the instruction. Make an ark of acacia. Cast four rings of gold for it. Attach them to its four feet, two rings on each side. Make poles from acacia wood. Overlay them with gold. Fill the ring. Oh goodness me! See? Well, what's the result of David's decision making? Obstacles, death, displeasure, fear, confusion, and defeat. Just imagine I make up a team to go to the Philippines to join with our great friends out there, Pauline and Warren Curtis-Smith, and we go out and make a team up, and we're going out to do something good for the kingdom of God's sake, and you come back to give a report. What's your report? We had some obstacles, death, displeasure, fear, confusion, and defeat. Well, it's quite understandable because you didn't do it God's way. The 1 Chronicles 13 is sadness. 1 Chronicles 15 is success. What's the difference in 14? David starts seeking God. 1 Chronicles 13 sadness. 1 Chronicles 15, when we get there, it's success. What happens in 1 Chronicles 14? David realized that, the, oh, yes. He's had what's called a light bulb moment he suddenly realizes that God had given him a gift as a king, he'd better start acting and living the way God intended him to. There's no such thing as an ungifted believer. The minute we become born again, the minute we give uh, our lives and ask Jesus to be our Savior, the minute we start to read the Scripture and pray, David has a, a realization. He's got a realization. God's made him king good things are going to happen. They're going to happen. He remembers that he's got to stay connected to God if he wants success. David realized the Lord had made him king over Israel and his kingdom was very great for the sake of Israel. But when the Philistines heard David had been anointed king over Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told they were coming. So he and his men marched out to meet them. Boy, I hope he does something good this time. So David asked of God, Hello? Is that the same David? Is that the same David who said, We don't need him. Is this a good idea? Do you think this will happen? Right, let's do it. If only he said to the scribes, where are those scrolls that we've got out the back there? We'd better look. We'd better read and see what the handbook for humans says. We'd better read what God says and do a bit of praying and find the peace of God before we make some of these decisions that govern our destiny. And David said to God, Should I go out and fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And the Lord said, Go ahead, I'll give you the victory. David and his troops went to baal Perazim, defeated the Israels, God had done it, David exclaimed. He used me to burst through my enemies like a raging flood. And after a while, the Philistines returned, raided the valley again. And once again, David connected with God. Hallelujah. That's fantastic. You know what he could have said? When they came out again, he, when they came out again against him, he could have said, Yeah, bless God, had one of these last week, put his head down and his bottom up, da up, da up, that up, da up. And God's saying, wait a minute, there's more. Wait a minute, there's more. See? It's too easy when we hear something to think that's it. But fresh challenges need fresh approaches. And David is coming and saying, God. I believe your revelation is progressive. Take any any story in the scripture and you'll see progression. People hear from God and God speaks again and again. He gives us light bulb moments where he comes and he speaks to us to guide and direct us. How many of you had a light bulb moment who know what I'm talking about? How many of you know by now that you really need one? Give me a wave. Well, do it. Here's how you do it. You get your Bible out and you open it up and you read it for a quarter of an hour a day with a pad and a pencil beside you. I'm not joking. I mean, don't go and watch, you know, the dopey wives of Ekadahuna. I mean, get rid of some of that stuff. (laughs) You might have to switch off the plug and drag the goggle box. You want a light bulb moment? This book is meant to be read by the people God created. And I tell you what, if you, if you want a light bulb moment, say, God, what's Jim talking about? Do, do I need to prove that? You do. Open it up, read 15 minutes, and say, God, wh- what do you want to speak to me about? This is pretty new to me, Lord. You know, one of the greatest scriptures, Jeremiah, the prophet, Jeremiah 33, verse 3, call unto me, God says through the prophet, speaking to his people, call unto me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Well, what happens? Don't attack them. The Lord sits straight on, circle around behind them, attack them near the balsam trees. And when you hear a sound like marching feet in the tops of the trees, you attack them. That'll be the signal God is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistines. So David did what God commanded. He struck down the Philistine army all the way from Gibeon to Giza and David's fame spread everywhere and caused all the nations to fear David. Here's the result of seeking God. God responded. David's confirmed as a leader. His confidence is restored. Fellowship with God is maintained. He knows how to go and come and go and speak him to God. Not just once but building a rapport with the God who created him. Success is guaranteed and there's respect and there's recognition. Wonderful. Decisions govern our destiny. David got it all wrong in chapter 13 because he left God out of the equation. Chapter 14, he has a revelation and he reconnects with God. Some of you here today, maybe you've never connected to God. Invite Jesus to be your saviour. There'll be people here to pray with you at the conclusion of this gathering. Happened to me in 1963, 30th of May. I'll never forget the date. 30th of May, 1963. I was 28. I remember Kay and I kneeling at our bedside, been married five years. Somebody told us about God and about Jesus. I knelt on my bedside. And said, God, I don't understand this, but but will, will you will you reveal yourself to me? Man, did my life change after that? Fantastic. Many people have never made that connection. You can get through living this life naturally, physically, intellectually, but spiritually there's no eternal life, and spiritually, there's no real understanding of what life is all about. The world is full of people fighting each other on drugs, all sorts of nonsense, missing out in relationships that could be pure and sweet, and they're living physically and intellectually with a sleeping giant called the Holy Spirit of God waiting to come and invade their lives, but he's a gentleman. You have to invite him in. The story goes on. Success! David prepared a place for the ark of God. He set up a special tent there to shelter it, and he issued these instructions. He said, when we transport the ark of God this time, no one except that the Levites might carry it. Is that David? Of course it's David. He's, he's had a light bulb moment with God. He remembers, he, he's, re, he's reconnecting. He had a realization. He knew the gifting God had given him. No such thing as an ungifted believer. What's your gifting? Thank God. What's your deposit within me? That gives me a strength to do these things. You've got a lot of things you want me to do. He said, David, David, suddenly, when we transport the ark this time, no one except the Levites might carry it. The Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister before him forever. That's fantastic. He suddenly realized to pick the scrolls up that's got the writing about how to live before God. And David summoned all the Israelites to Jerusalem to bring the ark of the Lord to the place he'd prepared for it. And David summoned the priests. He said to them, You're the leaders of the Levite families. You must purify yourselves and all your fellows so you can bring the ark of God, the God of Israel, to the place I've prepared for it. How did he know how to do this? Because finally, he's inquisitive and not living a life independent from God. But that fellowship with God leads him into how to live. The Scriptures are intended to help us how to live. Prayer is intended to help us to know God's peace in the decisions that we have to make. And David goes on to say, "'Because you Levites did not carry the ark the first time, "'the anger of the Lord our God burst out against us.'" Oh, David, you're being a bit hard. "'Because you Levites.'" Come on, David. "'Because you.'" That's called blame-shifting because you, Levites, did not carry the ark the first time. The anger of the Lord our God burst out again. We, oh, that's great. We. David's taking some ownership, confessing failure. We, I'm part of this, we failed to ask God how to move it the proper way in the first place. And I'm just as guilty as you are. And I don't mind confessing my failures. So the priests and the Levites purified themselves in order to bring the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to Jerusalem. The Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders with its carrying poles, just as the Lord instructed Moses. David ordered the Levites, the leaders, to appoint the choir and uh, to the singers, the musicians, the joyful songs to the accompaniment of lyres, harps, and cymbals. Fantastic. And David and the leaders and the generals of the army went to the home of Obed-Edom to bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant up to Jerusalem with a great celebration because God was clearly helping the Levites as they carried the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. Man, everything I want to do in my life, I'd like to think God is helping. I don't like to think I'm going upstream. I like to think that God's helping. And he does. And look, David. Or oh, here's, here's the music. Remember what happened? And what happened in, in chapter chapter 13? What happened? David and all the musicians played before God with all their might. Nothing but entertainment. Make a noise. Nothing but entertainment. Well, here's the musicians again, and they'll be glad I said this and came to this part, because here these people are appointed. They are appointed musicians. And they're not playing with their might. They're playing because the presence of God is in their midst. The Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God on the shoulders of the priests who are meant to carry. There's worship going on. There's the the sense of God in their midst. I tell you, there's no entertainment with this music group. But there's inspiration. And we're fortunate to have a group of musicians who seek the Lord. Because that's how you get that sweet presence of the Lord. Good decision-making involves. Get all the facts. Yeah, that's important. Keep listening to God. You have no idea the amount of time I spent typing out, out here and going through here, because I, 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 as I was preparing this message, I had here, um, I hear from God. No, no, no. It's one thing to hear from God. You hear from God with your ear, but you listen to God with your heart. And that's why I changed it. I first typed out, be hearing from God. No, 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 no. Be listening. That's what the Lord said to David. The first time he said, go and do this. When David came the second time, the Lord said, now go and listen for the wind coming in the trees. Go and listen. And when you hear, see, listening to God. And then, and then that third point I had when I was preparing, this, I had, make sure we read his word. But that's the easy part. How many of you know obeying is harder than reading? How many of you are working through something right now and it's hard work? Well, there's a couple of honest people out there. Yeah. Confess your failures. Involve others. Celebrate success. I, uh, I noted some of this down. Get all the facts. It was, David, remember, he inquired of leaders. He read the scrolls. He read the scriptures. He prayed to God. And then he kept listening. He didn't just hear, but he was listening because the revelation he was getting was progressive, and he needed to be finely tuned. And if we want to make right decisions, don't leave God out of the tuning process. Be finely tuned. And then obey his word, reading the scriptures. And then confess your failures. It's been said that David actually wrote Psalm 119. There's a bit of uncertainty about that, but many commentators believe that David wrote Psalm 119. And in Psalm 119, verse 71, the psalmist says, It was good that I was afflicted, because by my affliction I began to learn your ways. Yeah. How many know you, learn, you often learn ways by the mistakes you make? Yeah, that's right. And if you're, if you're big enough, you'll confess them and ask God's forgiveness. Yeah. And involving others and then celebrating success, celebrating success. Proverbs 70 says, a merry heart does what? merry heart does good like a medicine, and it's great to celebrate success. I want to uh, begin to close. Notice I said begin to close, but it's getting close. Decisions govern our destiny. Paul writes in Corinthians, the things that happened to them, the things that happened to people in the Old Testament were an example and they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Paul is writing, as uh, talking to the New Testament church and it's recorded that that which happened in Old Testament times, we can learn from them. Now go back to my story. Mr. Fox, who taught you how to divide so equally? The donkey did. Congregation. Who's teaching us to make decisions so well? David does. We can always learn something from somebody if we keep our eyes and ears open. And I've said a whole lot today which have to do with making right decisions because decisions govern our destiny. And the decisions that we have to make Will bring us into the abundance of life that God has for us. I want to tell you a story, and uh, before I conclude with, and then one more scripture. If you've ever been to Italy, you go to Milan, and Milan, Milan, the, the cathedral in Milan is the biggest is the biggest church in all of Italy. It's got I wrote down it's got 135 spires on it. It's a massive, massive cathedral, and there are five doors to go in. There's one big main entrance. And then on each side, there are two side doors. And on one of the side doors, there is carved, beautifully carved in wood, a wreath of roses. And the inscription written in in Italian, the inscription says, all that which pleases is but for a moment. Big entrance door on each side. On one side, beautifully carved, a wreath of roses with the inscription, all that which pleases is but for a moment. And on the other side, of the main entrance, there's a sculpture of a cross. And under there, there's an inscription, all that troubles us is but for a moment. On one side, all that, it's quite profound, isn't it? All that which pleases is but for a moment. All that which troubles us is but for a moment. And the main entrance has written as the inscription, nothing is more important save that which is eternal nothing is more important save that which is eternal. We could just about have that written above our door. Just imagine you've come in here this morning and as you've come in, it's confronted you. That which is most important is that which is eternal. If you've never made that connection to God through a faith in Jesus Christ, you don't have eternal life. But if you have faith in Christ, the eternal life you have is the abundance. I was given seven months to live. Somehow or other I live 14 and I fear no death because I have a confidence that the God who I put my trust in is a God who for me, death is just the anesthetic he uses while he changes bodies. And if you pick up your Baptist magazine while you're going out the door, you'll see a story I've written in the National Baptist which says exactly that. Death is just the anesthetic God uses while He changes bodies. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you have no eternal life. But if you do, let there be a light bulb moment in your life. Say, God, help me to make that right decision. Shall we pray? Gracious Father, enable us today to be men and women of purpose, men and women of destiny. Help us today to be people that, that are not afraid to expose our heart to the God who created us. Help us to love the Scriptures and read the truths you have for us. And help us, Gracious Father, to begin to pray if we've never prayed before to make the connection with the God who loves us so much. May we go from here today rejoicing because we have indeed learned how to make good decisions as we trust in the love of God. In Jesus' name we give thanks. Amen. Amen. Final scripture. Final scripture. Ben, where am I? Here we go. Stay with me. Don't leave you. That's a great scripture to finish on. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will direct your paths. Why don't you say that with me as our musicians come out? Would you like to say that with me? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do. And He will. Not He might, not possibly, but He will direct the paths of those That put their trust in him. God bless you.